Show and go with Taylor Davis for Tuesday, March 14th. Are you a SpongeBob guy at all? I've watched SpongeBob, yeah. So I grew up, that was like my era. Okay, so the movie. Did you watch the SpongeBob SquarePants movie? I did not. Uh, in, in, after now the conclusion of the Oscars, I think that that was snubbed to Best Picture, whichever year that that came out. But the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, March 14th, is the day that like, Mr. Krabs is supposed to get annihilated by King Neptune and it doesn't happen. And there's a big dance number and, and that's all cool stuff. So that's what I thought March 14th, but this is show and go with Taylor Davis. I'm Jack McMullen news dump. This is what we do on Tuesdays. Corbin Carroll just signed an eight year, $111 million extension after playing 30 plus games at the major league level, but welcome to the new frontier of pre-arbitration deals. We're going to talk about that, maybe some candidates to also get some deals. Also, uh, we've had World Baseball Classic to ingest, and we saw the U.S. lose to Mexico on Sunday night, so we got to get into all that. Um, I mean, dude, like that Carol thing, you shot me a text. I I was as stunned as you were, but my first take was, I love it. What was your first take? Yeah, I wasn't that stunned. Um you know, we had that one and we had the Ruiz, uh, the Ruiz extension, which the occurred Ruiz. like two days before. Um, the Ruiz extension to me was much more of a typical pre-arb extension, right? Like it was eight years at 40. And, um, you know, I think that that, you know, the difference here also, like outside of just the two extensions, uh, the the big number is that Corbin Carroll is going to make 100 and what potentially 154 if he maxes out voting and gets the option picked up and it's going to be a free agent at 31 he's going to be Manny Machado so like he could sign a 350 million dollar deal still and I think the Ruiz one where he's at age wise that's probably if he maxes it out and they pick up the options that's his big deal like that's most likely going to be the the biggest contract he signs and I think that's like to me that's the biggest underlining factor of the two I think um it was an extremely good deal for both sides on the Carroll part like I, I mean obviously the the Diamondbacks are taking more risk than most teams have made historically like this is a big deal for a, a guy that doesn't have many games like he's said, 30 games but he's an exciting player and, and you know I don't know like have we seen this combination potentially of defensive prowess speed and power like of recent times no i'm thinking in terms of prospect pedigree the the only guy that kind of matches it that has gotten a deal like this you know julio julio transcends what's going on with corbin carroll but carroll was really good in a small sample you can call what wander franco had in 2021 a small sample and they got relatively similar deals. We mentioned eight for 111. There is a club option for 28 in the 2031 season. Wander Franco is signed through his age 31 season, club option for 25 in his age 32 season, but he was 11 for 182. So, you know, more money overall, but three more years attached to that. I think that is the only comparable situation here. Um, in terms of like what Corbin Carroll does on the field, I couldn't tell you the last guy that was built like this because Julio has a different skill set. Wander Franco has a different skill set. 
if everything goes to shit, and Aram and I were talking about this on the Just Baseball show, if Corbin Carroll like is is a 98 WRC plus guy, like slightly below average hitter, it's not because he's not walking. It's not because he's not playing elite defense or stealing bases. Like it's just the power zapped, you know? So if everything goes to shit, you're paying a guy $111 million that is a really good defensive outfielder that can swipe bags whenever he's on and is going to walk it at a rate over 10%. Like it's, it's very bust proof. It seems. I seem, I see it very similar to the Cabrian Hayes extension where you paid Cabrian Hayes to where if he never got a hit, he's going to match that value because he's the best defensive third baseman, arguably baseball scene since he's been in baseball. Correct. So um, that made a lot more sense when I saw that extension, like, look, Cabrian is a person, love him. Another guy we talked about, Mitch Keller, like he's a Pittsburgh guy. Um, great bloodlines. I think he fits well in that clubhouse. He wanted to be there. Um, but I think there were some questions. Like there were other guys you could have extended before him, obviously, the guy in the outfield, right? Um, but when you put it that way, when you looked at when I heard that, that made so much more sense to me for a small market team to say, hey, we're going to secure ourselves the best defender at the position that yeah. if he hits, we make money. So, and I think that's kind of what you're saying with Corbin. Now, here's here's my big question to you, and like I think I kind of mentioned this is that to me the Corbin Carroll deal, all that did was ramp up Adley Rutschman's market. Like if I'm baseball, that's the guy I'm looking to see extended because the Orioles need him to be extended. The Orioles need that player, and I think Adley likes Baltimore. I don't, you know, I we I haven't heard a ton that he dislikes. Um, and obviously they, they value him a lot as they should. So like, that's the question mark, you know, Corbin Carroll gets that after 30 games and Adley's doing this at a position where he's going to have more power. He's going to walk more. He's not going to run as much. He's got a chance to, to be, uh, to have more defensive war than, than Corbin Carroll does because he is the best catcher in baseball and I'm I'm not convinced within five years he's not going to be the best catcher and best hitter in baseball. But no. just, you and you've had a full year. So right. like what kind of money is he gonna get? That's a great question. And no offense to you, catcher Taylor Davis, but like I I totally align with you. Like he will accrue more defensive war. I think there's probably more sex appeal from a center fielder, or you know, if, no if Carroll is playing left because Alec Thomas is in the center, an elite outfielder, right? Because they're going to make the top 10 plays. Like, what's Adley going to do? Throw out a bunch of runners. But his value to a team defensively far surpasses anything that Corbin Carroll can do. It's the Instagram versus database conversation, right? It is the who's going to put together the best highlight reel? Who's going to be the better player? Corbin Carroll, I think, is going to put together a really good highlight reel. Adley, probably not. But if anyone's going to be better and more impactful for their team, it's going to be Adley Rutschman. So I'm with you, man. Like part of my thinking was, okay, Adley is going to be looking at the Wilson Contreras deal this offseason, but he has already surpassed the catcher contract conversation. That's not a debate anymore. Already. He's already getting more than than Real Muto. Like, yes. Here's my argument. I don't disagree with you, right? The sexier position is shortstop and center field. Those are the two sexy positions in baseball without question. And then starting pitching. My argument is 
So let me let me break this down a little bit. I, I had this conversation when Puig and Jose Abreu were new into the league. Yeah, we had a conversation about uh, with with a guy that he'll actually end up being on this podcast, Anthony Gensani. We'll get him on at some point. But I had a conversation with him. Who would you rather have at the time? Take away the locker room stuff. And my argument was it would be easier to replace in the lineup Yaziel Puig than it would be to replace Jose Abreu. My argument stands with this. I think if I take Corbin Carroll away, it's easier to replace those numbers somewhere in that lineup than it is at catcher, where if you do nothing, if I produce nothing, no offense to Thomas Nito, I am still going to be a very valuable player to where I get extended. Can I give you two other names? Jonah Heim, Jose Trevino. Those are two guys that are consensus top 10 catchers in baseball right now. And there are nights where they are nothing burgers offensively, like liability eight hole, nine hole, but they're both platinum glove level defenders. Trevino just won a platinum glove. Like Adley is platinum glove level defense and he's your four hitter, your three hitter, or your he's two hitter. MVP level offensive player. And yeah. it, my argument is almost even deeper than that, in that most teams are searching for a zero F4 catcher. Most teams just don't want their catcher to lose them value, as long as you're not losing them value. So, like Jose Trevino, yeah, he didn't hit a ton, but he still gained a ton of value defensively. Yeah. I'm just looking for a guy that is exactly average. If I can put that guy. Most teams are looking for that guy. That's why I think it's so special when you just have an offensive or you just have a defensive catcher. Like you said, the Yankees are lucky they have Trevino just because what he does defensively. Imagine if you could do that, plus walk more than you strike out, hit homers, hit more doubles than Kyle Ripken Jr. in your first year. You know, there's a lot to like there. And we'll get him on the podcast. I'll try to get him to, like, break some – break some news on some some extension talks or something yeah perfect um adley what are you signing for man what are the numbers being floated around right now um so yes look past the corbin carroll thing when you talk about an adley rutschman extension i say you enter somewhere either in between or surpassing the duo of wander franco you got 11 years 182 or what julio rodriguez just signed 12 for 209 12 yeah, I, think I think you're I think you're looking at at I think I think you're looking at 200 man I really do I think it's somewhere in the 200s if you I mean like I think there could be an argument to be made that the bat is good enough that you could give him a 13 or 14 for 300 um if you're willing to go that long as we're seeing teams are willing to do now I think he could get to 300 um but you know he's a guy that to his credit, he got a decent amount of money when he signed. He doesn't have to have that financial stability. Um, he has it already. So, like, if I'm him, I don't know that I'm even taking it, right? Like, you know, this is a tough thing to talk about, but I think the reality is the top players in each class hold the responsibility of setting the market for the rest of the class. It's just the fact, right? Like, you hold that extra – Garrett Cole held that extra responsibility – in setting the market for the rest of the starting pitching class. Mike Trout also, you know, I think you can almost say that Mike Trout's deal was a steal. I, yes. I would go to say that Mike Trout would have got well over 400 had he hit the market, right? So I think that those guys have that that extra added responsibility of like, look, man, like you understand. And, and some of the guys care, some don't. I think Adley will care. Adley appreciates the history of the game. 
Adley appreciates what's been done and who's been there before him. Um, and so I, I think that he's going to take that into account. Um, but man, you know, and, and I'm biased because he's such an awesome person. And, you know, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but it doesn't make them any better on the field. It just makes it so much more fun to root for. Yes, a hundred percent. And, you know, counterpoint here, I was talking to uh, a good friend of mine who spent time as a college coach, as a pro coach, still trains pro guys um, that I got to know. And he is like, you know, very, very plugged in and very pro player. And we were talking about a guy like Aaron Hicks, who is just kind of sucking money out of the New York Yankees right now. And he said, there needs to be a contract restructuring here. Like this guy is, is costing this team. Like he may not be costing them money. Like it may not be a cash deficit. Cause I'm sure the New York Yankees are making Hicks's money back in droves and they can spend it somewhere else. But that is a big number that they got to look at and, and shrug and clench their teeth about. And one of the points that he was trying to make was um, the players are not as large of a piece to the revenue as the union makes them out to be. And I kind of called BS on that because without an Adley Rutschman, not many people are showing up to Camden Yards. Without Julio Rodriguez, like not many people are showing up to to T-Mobile yeah. Park. I don't buy that. And, and and the reason I don't buy that is because, look, the reason he's saying that is because the Yankees sell out every year. They make money every year. But you know the why Yankees the Yankees are the Yankees? Right. Because they win. But how do you win? You have good players. players. Teams that yep. don't win. Show me a team that doesn't win consistently that's at the top of the revenue charts. The Rockies. The Rockies are top five in attendance consistently, and they don't win. You know why? Because it's family fun. So that is one team out of 30. If Hold on, but, if, but, but if we're talking about attendance, are we talking about money? I'm talking about revenue. Oh, all right. Let me go find the revenue. Yeah, find revenue. So because here's what I'll also tell you is that like when we had this lockout, I love the fans. They're awesome. But, you know, ticket sales are not the only source of revenue for these teams. These TV contracts are massive. And there's other deals that they do within those. Um, so, you know, there's other factors that go into this. But – I, yeah, that I I don't I don't buy that either. But I will say this: like, go ahead. Here we go. Twenty twenty two, highest revenue teams: Dodgers one, Yankees two, Red Sox three. Underwhelming year, but people are yeah, still yeah. going to show up because you're at Fenway Park. Uh, Atlanta four, and you still had you still had significant talent. Nathan Eovaldi. Yep. Um, you brought up Brian. Uh, what was that guy's name at the end? Brian Bayo. Bayo, yeah, Brian Bayo. Um, go ahead. The, the Cubs were five and like the Cubs, you could say it, they were kind of mailing it in at times. It felt um, Houston six, the Rangers seven. They spent $500 million on the middle infield. Yep. You're going to go see them. San Francisco eight. That was not a good team to watch last year. And it felt like they weren't committing, but we know that San Francisco is, is gearing up to commit a ton of money. To well, and they're a big market in general. So like they're a team who's going to benefit from the, non-fan stuff exactly so th that's the perfect reasoning from a big market perspective i understand where he's coming from the yankees like aaron judge obviously means a lot but Giancarlo for that money may not be worth it for the new york yankees because they're a massive market they're going to find somebody that wants to come to new york on a discount aaron hicks same thing but if you are if you are in arizona if you are a Baltimore, hell, if you are a Seattle, which is a little bit larger than an Arizona and a Baltimore, 
you got to lock these guys up because people are not going to show up if Julio Rodriguez is not on your team. Um, and, and I just, I really think it comes down to also like, yes, guys want, you want people to turn on the TV and, and, and watch you. But I think the reality is you have to win. And like, it's so rare. And, and, I, and I mean, win consistently, right? Like you mentioned two teams on there, the Red Sox and the Giants, and obviously the Rangers, but we talked about the Rangers and in the past 10 years, the Rangers have won. So like, if you don't win consistently, it's going to be tough for people to want to watch you if you have no talent. If you have talent, you don't have to necessarily win. And so that's where I would tell you that the players do matter is because yes. of that right there. Um, yeah, you know, they're it, interesting would be like, what if you what if you could lose the I, I wouldn't be so like put out if you could like lose the money off of the um, salary cap like this, the whatever the CBT, if like, uh, like, what if you released Aaron Hicks? Like you could get rid of that money off the CBT. Still gotta pay him. Yeah. But like, he's not on the roster. Like I wouldn't hate that. I know owners would, but like that would be a way to handle that. Yeah. Because like I said, the Yankees could care less about paying him $8 million to whatever they're paying in this year. Right. It's, it's nothing to them. The only but, way that it hurts is if it's Corbin or Strasburg where they're making 30. No, so here, here's what I was just about to say. Strasburg doesn't hurt either because you've insured those contracts. They're making that 30 back. Yeah. So, like, guys that get hurt hurt, you're getting that money back. I'm not worried about it. Like, it's the guys that don't get hurt that just struggle. Those are the guys that hurt you. Those are the guys that you're like, man, not only am I paying him, he's counting against CBT, and I got to pay him, and I have to play him. So that that's where, you know – uh, but yeah, come on. No, the players, players matter, man. Like the, like we yeah. are the, the players are the, are the talent at the end of the day. Yes. The, the, you know, the venues are put up, which is why they make so much money. You know, like. I'm with you. Like I'm totally, totally with you. Uh, going back to Adley, here's the case for him to show up to Mike Elias's office and say, okay. hey, here's why. I deserve more than Julio Rodriguez does. Adley Rutschman and Julio Rodriguez had identical F4s, 5.3. J-Rod played 132 games. Adley played 113. 21 fewer games, same one. Offensive year. Adley, in terms of WRC+, 133 compared to 146 for J-Rod. I got Adley having a down year. I got J-Rod having one of the best years of his career. So, I, I... I don't hate that he hasn't signed yet because if you're buying the stock in Adley right now and you are buying that J-Rod while he was exceptional and still will be exceptional is like a 135 guy. If Adley is 145 and J-Rod's 135 this year and Adley outwars J-Rod, I think that he can slap that contract on the table and say, hey, I need this plus... Yeah. Plus one I think, year. I think the biggest question mark, right, is if Adley moves to first base or he moves to DH, which is going to be the argument, right? You can only catch for so long. Um, does he still create that value offensively? Buster Posey did it for however long he did it, long enough. There have been guys that have done it. I think Adley's athletic enough to do it. But I know that's the argument, especially in Baltimore, because they had a guy. Right. They had the franchise catcher and it just kind of kind of broke down at the end. 
Um, so that's going to be the argument within ownership because it is the same ownership. Um, I, you know, but here's what I'll say too, is like we last episode, we talked about the, the automatic system. That's going to take some pressure off these guys. Nobody on base. You're going to be able to relax. Like you're not necessarily going to, it's not going to be totally, um, you know, a, a walk in the park, but it's going to be, I, I think it'll be less stressful. And so like, it'll, it'll be a little bit easier on your bodies. Um, and you know, the knee down stuff has really changed a lot of this as well. So, you know, I, I look for Adley. If, if I'm Adley and I saw that Corbin Carroll extension, I'm loving that. I, I told, I think I don't, I don't know if I've said this on the, on air, but like I played with a guy who was around uh, Paul Goldschmidt during his, during his extension talks. And like the conversation was, you know, that's a really good deal, Paul, but you know, tomorrow you're going to wake up and somebody's going to sign a better deal than you. That's not as good as you. And like the next day, Anthony Rizzo signed a deal who unbelievable player as well, but he's not as good as Paul Goldschmidt. He's not Goldschmidt. Yeah. Right. And he made more money than Paul Goldschmidt did on that deal. And so I think that's the same question here is like, you know, just don't shortchange yourself because you, you know, and Adley is, is humble enough, but also confident enough to bet on himself. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, other counter argument, and then we'll we'll put this one to bed. Is Adley is three years older than Julio is. Adley Fair. is three years older than Wander Franco. How old is, how old is Adley? Uh, Adley Rutschman is. I'll pull up the exact month and days. Uh, happy belated to Adley Rutschman, born February sixth, ninety eight. Twenty five years, one month, seven days old. So he's twenty five. So if I did something this winter, if I let's just say we did it on his birthday when he was twenty six. I would be comfortable giving him. Yeah. Like I could see them doing getting him to 34 doing eight at what would, what would eight at, at, uh, Oh man. That's eight two eight years eight. in you got, you're buying out one more pre-arb year yeah, and all three arbitration let's, years. Let's assume that he has another Adley Rutschman year. I'm going to give him eight at 240 with two options. That takes him to 34 in the contract and an option to take you to 36. That's Club his last contract he's going to sign. He could sign something maybe to take him to 40 if he's that good of an offensive player when he's elder. elder. Wow. Wow. Okay, hold on. Let me pull up his let me pull up his spot track so I know how many years you're taking him off the open market. You're taking him off the open market cuz he's got one full season right now. So he'll have two full seasons. He'll be taking him off the the market for 4 years. For four years okay that can make some sense and i'm paying him 30 a year for eight years and I, by that time so in, in five years 30 a year for four years is going to be nothing for him hey, text him that deal and just say yes or no and whatever he says we'll just talk about it on the air <laughs> yeah we'll just do it. hey I'll, I'll, I'll get a group text him and mike yeah, perfect. It's like, hey, how do you guys feel about this one? I was just shooting the shit with a buddy. <laughs> what if they what if they both like did it the next day and like I just I have to become an agent? It would have to happen. Well, and then in the in the release that the Orioles put out at the bottom, it's listen to show and go with Taylor Davis every Tuesday and Friday. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcast. That's no the header. The header is show and go. Yes, Not exactly. <laughs> show and go breaks Adley Rutschman's perceived deal with the Baltimore Orioles. Um, all right, let, let's talk World Baseball Classic right now, yeah. because Adley, I think the conversation about Adley is second best catcher in the game going into this year, uh, only behind JT Real Muto because he's got that track record. Number three is probably Will Smith. Those guys are both on the U.S. roster. The bats are great. The arms are leaving a lot to be desired. 
they end up losing to Mexico. Overall, um, and then we'll get into the USA conversation, but overall, this World Baseball Classic, how fun has it been for you as a player to watch this event? Dude, me as a player and me as a baseball fan, both, has been so much fun. I think it's so cool to see all of these teams beating each other. Like, I don't, I didn't, I don't love it when, you know, necessarily the Cinderella story beats everybody they shouldn't, but you're seeing teams beat guys and then get beat. And it's, it's baseball. It's, it's like the backyard tournament, man. It feels like a perfect game tournament. Like these dudes are battling it out. Most of the teams are relatively even kind of like we've talked about, you know, there's been some games that obviously have come out and like, wowed you, but that happens. It's baseball. Yeah. Um, You know, I think the reality is, Japan's been fun to watch throw the ball. America's been fun to watch hit the ball. I, you know, I saw a stat today that said the top 10 American-born pitchers uh, that from last season are not on the American roster, which, yeah. like, I don't, you know, I don't know that I blame guys for not playing. I don't know that I blame them. I don't know that I don't blame them. Um, let's talk about this for a second, though. I want to. I want to talk about this because – I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how everybody else feels about it. What do we think about Marcus Stroman playing for Puerto Rico? Uh, after, after everything that happened last class. Yeah, so I find it interesting. I think I'm not going to go – I'm not going to, like, read any farther into it other than – um you know, like, hey, new classic, the restrictions are really loose. Like, Jaron Duran – was going to be on the U.S. Olympic team in 2021, and here he is on Team Mexico. You know what I mean? So I I think that but, like, but, but he could have, but but Stroman could have played for Puerto Rico in the last classic, and he told them he was going to. Yeah, really weird. I think it's really weird. I think that there are like, a lot of look like, back, like there was a lot of hate on the Puerto Rican side for him not doing that because I think he did it late, and not only did he do it late. But he pitched for America, and I believe he no hit Puerto Rico through like four or five. He was the player of the of the classic in 2017. I mean, I it, that one shocked me when I saw that. Yeah, really interesting for sure. Um, I I understand pitchers sitting this one out or or staying in their spring training. Um, I I'm not gonna. I'm not going to like discount, like I'm not going to point to any American pitcher and be like, Clayton Kershaw, you need to pitch in this classic. Like Clayton Kershaw needs to do what he's got to do. And even the younger guys like Cease, McClanahan, hell, even a Tristan McKenzie, like how dare you not, not throw for the stars and stripes? Like, dude, you got to take care of yourself. You got to solidify what you're doing on your major league team because like they're not paying you to play in this. They're paying you to play major league baseball. I commend the best arms that are pitching for their teams like Sandy Otani Darvish. Like I'm thrilled that they are throwing for their country. And it obviously means so much to them. And I'm not saying that like, it wouldn't mean so much for Dylan C's to throw for team USA. I'm just saying like, there's something about being from the country that baseball was invented. There's something about being from the country where, you know, 70% of your organization hails from that you know maybe doesn't hit as hard as like being a really proud dominican arm and sandy it's like i'm the best pitcher on the planet and i'm from the fucking dominican and i'm gonna show everybody and like 
a, a little bit of me is, I, I guess, like, my bigger question about guys not doing it is, like, there was so much talk about the Dominican, about Venezuela, about Japan. Like, nobody was talking about America. And, like, man, if you ever wanted to have pride about playing for America, it was this year. Like, this was the classic that everybody was questioning America. Yeah. Because they were yeah. looking at it going, that Dominican roster, look at that Dominican roster, look at that Japanese staff. Nobody was talking about the American roster. And I think they were talking about the lineup at the end because Mark DeRosa said some awesome stuff and had some awesome interviews about the roster and brought light to the fact that it was the greatest, you know, honestly, one of the coolest things I heard was him talking to coach K. Um, I don't know if you read that, but like, you know, because this is the, the lineup is the dream team of, of baseball. Like this is the greatest offensive lineup ever put together in the history of baseball. Yes. Uh, And probably will be. For the next, because uh, there's no way the next classic lineup looks like this. I can't imagine. I can't imagine a lineup looking this good for a team for a lo- for for a while. You know what? I can see lineups looking like it. I just I'm not sure if we're ever going to see a, a Japanese rotation like this. You know what I mean? Like I'm not sure we're ever going to see a, a pitching staff look as strong as Japan's does. Also, let's talk about let's talk about the Czech Republic. Just normal citizens winning. Love that. Love it so much. Like one of them's a D two baseball player, and like the rest are electricians and teachers and shit. Dude, I played with Martin Cervanka, who's who's catching on that team, and and he was a minor league player as of I believe last year, maybe the year before. So like, but he's got a regular job now. But like, great dude. He was a good player, had a chance to be something, and just didn't. It just didn't pan out. But uh, so cool to see. But the reason I brought that up is because they did you see the video of Sasaki hitting the guy on the knee? Yeah, and then did you see the photo of Sasaki like taking taking a picture with him after and like obviously apologizing candy. after the game? Brought him candy. He tweeted and said he brought him candy and stuff. But like, can you just America imagine like the average like plant manager getting hit in the back knee by a hundred and one? Like, what are you? What is that guy doing? No way. <laughs> He's probably like reassessing life when that happens. It's like, hey, yeah. that's really cool. I got hit by Roki Sasaki or. Why did I do this to myself? That guy's either had six beers and it feels fine, or he's getting stretchered off. One of the two. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that they're they're getting six beers down before a WBC game. Although, if there's any team that's going to do it, it's probably the Czech Republic, right? Can you imagine if they're just getting hammered before games? Like, look, awesome. guys, this is so much fun for us. Like, let's just get blasted and go play. Like slow pitch <laughs> softball level, they're passing around mil- empty half carton milk jugs. Why not, man? Italy's got the Nespresso machine. You need like a keg in there. That would be great. Italy, um, Italy, Italy's sneaky good, man. Like prospect. Italy's like the prospect team. Yeah. Like, I mean, they got South Freeland. Yeah. Do you buy Pasquantino? Are you going on Pasquantino? I love Vinny. Yeah, I do too. Love I him. Too. Yeah. What about his profile? Do you like, there's something about him being so good within the strike zone. Like he is a bat to ball guy that just happens to be huge. And that's where the power comes from. I love that because he doesn't need to try to hit the ball 400 feet. Like, what do you love when you watch Vinny Pascantino? Oh, that that's it. That's it. That you, you hit it bat to ball. I, I like the bat to ball stuff. He's uh Oh man, I'm going to forget this guy's name. And it's going to make me mad because he lived in Jupiter. They used to call him the mayor played first base MLB analyst. It'll be MLB network analyst for, uh, really good player. Um, Sean Casey? Sean Casey. He's like a powerful Sean Casey, right? He's like a Sean Casey with power. Like, um, 
because Sean, that was what Sean Casey did. He hit the ball, but he just didn't have power. So like he's a he's an average defending, average to below average running, bat to ball guy that can hit homers. And I I love that. Sean Casey was a career 302 hitter with a 10% K rate. So dude, he was a he was a G. He was tight. He was a G. Three-time all-star Sean Casey. Yeah, I mean, like he never he never like impacted the ball too much. Like he was an 814 OPS guy in his career. But I mean, you know, he had a 25 homer season in there. He had a 24 homer season in there. Uh, he just wasn't like your your stereotypical first baseman. And I think Vinny has enough power to be the stereotypical first baseman, but he's got that Sean Casey. I totally see that. At the time, 25 was like eight. Um, yeah. Because he was hitting, they were hitting 40. But like, you know, the other thing I think that probably drew me the Sean Casey comparison is that they were both in the central for a long time. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I don't know for a long time, but he played for Detroit for a bit. So, uh, Casey was, let's see, Detroit for two years. He was a red for a long time. For a long, yeah. That's where I knew him was the Cincinnati. I just remember him in Detroit at, at like the end of his career. Okay. So other guy that I think that you probably loved, and I don't think we've ever talked about him. Uh, you catch any Alec Burleson when he was in Memphis or St. Louis. You're definitely an Alec Burleson guy. Yeah. I've been on Alec Burleson. I, we talked, so we talked about Alec Burleson because you and me did the, uh, did the Cardinals lineup. That's and- right. That's right. And I want I want Burleson to get the lion's share of at bats from the left side on that DH platoon with Yepes. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that he deserves a chance because same, similar reason, bat to ball, but like, um, you know what he, you know, we talked about like Lars Nupar being good at everything, not great at anything. I think that's kind of the Alec Burleson offensive thing. Like he's good at everything offensively. Nothing's like I don't think he's going to hit forty. I don't think he's going to hit 320. I don't think he's going to walk a million times. But I also don't think he's going to do really anything poorly offensively. Like, I'd like to see him get a chance. So Burleson was 331 with a 372 OBP, 109 games in Memphis, Um, 20 homers. Like, he didn't walk. He didn't strike out. He just put the ball in play, and it found grass a lot. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't see him hitting 330 in the big leagues. No. But no. I don't see him hitting 230 in the big leagues either. Um, right. Don't see him hitting 20, but I don't see him hitting two. Like, right. I could very much see this being a 270 with 10, 270 with 12, which as a platoon, if you're only hitting right-handers and Juan Yepes is hammering left-handers, yeah. what else do you want? I mean, I think that's a I think that's a guy that deserves an opportunity for sure. I like Alec Burleson, but I like Pasquantino better. I mean, as obviously, but – um, you know, I, I think Pasquantino is Burleson with more power. And, you know, the thing that I liked about Vinny was, you know, the first time that we saw him easy out, to be honest with you, like he'll probably hate it because I'll try to get him on at some point. But he uh, he because uh, he played with one of uh, one of my buddies in college. But at Old Dominion. You know, yeah, at Old Dominion. He played PJ Higgins at Old Dominion. Who oh, I nice. had. Um, so. You know, there were some holes there. Like it was, it wasn't. I don't want to say it was an easy at bat, but like there were some holes there. He was pitchable, and he chased. And then the second time we saw him, adjustments had been made. Uh, he didn't go out of the zone a ton. You had to go in the zone, and like you said, when it's in the zone, it's 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 hammered, and it's kind of the Bryce Harper effect. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be Bryce Harper, but like that was in twenty one. That was the Bryce Harper effect. Was like, look, you've got to stay in the zone because he doesn't chase. 
And if you go in the zone, he hammers it. So like, have fun. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a good combo to have, you know, I, uh, I don't know where Kansas city's going, but they have a couple pieces that are, that are pretty strong. I'll tell you, you know, we talk about, you know, Corbin Carroll, we talked about the diamondbacks last episode, but like, I forgot all about the fact that they got freaking Jordan Lawler coming up too. Yeah. Like you're going to have Jordan Lawler, Corbin Carroll, like that, that team is going to be really good. That's the thing. So like Kansas city, they've got, pros everywhere and they've got like really good players with a bright future everywhere with Pasquantino I not not on the mound and like that's the problem that's why Kansas City's in a weird spot but they've got Pasquantino at first they've got Melendez as the catcher of the future with Salvi as the catcher for now maybe Melendez plays an outfield spot maybe he DHs um then you've got like obviously Bobby Witt just mentioned him Mike Massey at second base I think is awesome they've got a surplus of outfielders that they could just keep on trying and a couple are going to gonna give it a go um arizona yeah i mean they just have like one glaring hole in the lineup right now and that's shortstop whether it's ahmed or perdomo who are both really good defenders they can't hit right now you've got a good defender that can really hit in lawler that's probably a year and a half away yeah he's he's 2024 i feel like i i wish i wish ahmed would get healthy because man like ahmed healthy is almost like we were talking about you want a guy that could uh you know like he's like the Jose Trevino of short shots for me like and and even if he does he's a guy that like even if he doesn't grade out well at shortstop that team trusts him enough that and like he does enough at shortstop that he is the leader of that team and he is a very good defensive shortstop so I I, I wish he would be I hope him the best and I hope he gets healthy and um because like we talked about that's a it's you know the issue is just they're in such a good division, man. Like if they were in the NL Central, once again, put all thirty teams together, man. Let's put them all together. <laughs> I love <laughs> this. Was a big sidetrack off of the WBC, so I do want to get back to the WBC. Yeah, let's get back to the WBC. Yeah. Let's get back to the WBC. Um, has your thought changed at all on on your winner on who you think are the big boppers? Like who do you think is going to win the World Baseball Classic right now? I think it's going to be Japan America. I still think it's Japan America. Um, I, obviously, the question mark's the Dominican, right? Like, that's now the question mark. I think that Puerto Rico getting beat so bad last night shocked me. I think Venezuela's good, but I didn't see Puerto Rico getting beat like that. Um, but, man, did Pablo Lopez look good. He looked really good. Venezuela <laughs> might be – Venezuela Ven- might be one of the – I mean, that, that's a good-looking team, but I just – I just – I can't see, like – like I said, outside of America, I can't see anybody hitting anything against Japan. Like, you can't I, see I, the Dominican getting to Japan. No, I don't. I I just think those forearms, like I just think those forearms are so powerful. Like the like, who I'm telling you, and I told you this off the air the first time, but like Shohei and Darvish are three four on that team. Yeah. I, Darvish is like the clear cut four on that team, which is so weird. And he just got how much? Yeah, he just got was it a hundred? Was it a little over a hundred? He just signed his third six year deal. His third hundred million dollar deal. God, bag getter extraordinaire. You Darvish is the four. Yamamoto looked insane. Did you watch any of the highlights from him? 
I watched uh, Pitching Ninja retweeted or like posted one of his curveballs and how unique the release is. And like, I, dude, I'm I'm an odd bird because I'm a guy that like when I watch baseball, most players like when they watch, they'll be like, man, that looks so easy. I'm not like, I think it looks harder. Like I'm watching baseball. Like I'm watching these Yamamoto curveballs going. It's yeah, like, how I, do I do this? Yeah. I'm swinging it out of the hand, out of the hand. I'm swinging at it. Like no questions asked. I hear you. So is that like your typical takeaway? If you're watching a big league game and you're watching a, a marquee starter, do you think how the hell do I even make contact with something remotely like this? Yeah. And I'll tell you the first time it hit me. I, cause I specifically remember watching Toronto play Oak or uh, play Baltimore in 2016, I believe. And I remember watching Michael Givens pitch in Toronto and that was peak Michael Givens. Yeah. And I just remember watching that ball move and thinking like, how does anybody hit this? What? Well, like this isn't science. This physics says this should not happen. Yeah. That, but yes, I am. But I'll tell you, like most guys, if you ask most guys, and honestly, it's a trend with coaches too. Like I've had a lot of coaches. It's something that I aspire not to be as a coach is like, I think a lot of coaches forget how hard it was. Yeah. You know, I, it's because you sit there and watch and you go, man, like, why didn't you swing at that? Well, why did you throw that? I wouldn't have done that. Well, you wouldn't have done that because you knew what was happening. And, you know, like it's hindsight's 2020. Right. Uh, but I, I, so I think I'm atypical in that sense, but yeah, man, I, I watch these things and I'm like, yeah, like that's, I'm glad I'm not standing in right now. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. I, I, I can definitely hear these coaches saying that type of thing. And I think that something that gets lost is the heat of the moment aspect of what players go through. Yes, you can, you know, hindsight, you can be a hindsight doctor all you want. And those people are the worst. But in real time, even if you come up with the right decision that is not followed and it it blows up at a player's face, you have to understand that like you have no emotional buy-in to what's going on at that point. You know what I mean? Even a manager who, yes, really wants to win the game, he's not pitching for his livelihood. He's not hitting for his livelihood anymore. And I can absolutely see where managers and coaches will lose that. And and as an announcer, you could say that was a really dumb base running decision there. That was a really dumb decision to throw to that bag instead of that bag there. But you got to think heat of the moment. These guys like are operating at a stress level that's exponentially higher than yours because yeah. they have a level of give a shit that you can never match. And you got to like, you know, that's why that's why like, you know, it sounds so fundamental, but that's why practice is so important is because you got to ingrain certain moves into certain positions into certain um counts into certain um situations right like uh you know I, I try to I try to watch as much baseball as I can to see as many situations as I can to see what I would do in those situations so that it's not the first time I've seen it because yeah. you don't want the first time you've seen or been in that situation to be in the heat of the moment like you said um I think that's such a you know such an important piece to that for sure you know, and, and that, you know, slow heartbeat, man. Like we talked about it a little bit, but like the guys that have it, it's easier to make decisions when you're not, when you're not, when your mind's not racing, you know, right. I tell kids all the time, like hitting is the hardest thing to do in the world. When you're clear minded, if you have anything else going on in your head, forget about it. Yeah. Forget about it. Like, 
you know, I and, and I think that goes for a lot of stuff. You know, one one cue that I've been told is like, and I think I said this in an earlier episode, but I'll say it again because I love it, is like uh these dudes don't they don't keep their keep their uh focus for the whole game, right? Like yeah. the best in the world just have the ability to refocus quicker than the next guy. Yes. I think that's yeah. I think that's a common thing that you'll learn from a lot of these guys is like these guys are not necessarily, you know, most of these guys are normal people. They just have a very special skill. Now, some of these guys have have some crazy athletic ability, right? Corbin Carroll is an absolute freak athletically. O'Neal Cruz is arguably the greatest athlete outside of Bo Jackson to ever play our sport. Yeah. Like, you know, you have those guys that are outliers for sure, but we don't talk about the outliers. They're outliers. The normal baseball player is a pretty normal guy. There's, you know, they work hard to get there, but, you know, I don't know. I, I think uh, I I differed a little bit because, like, I love the game so much that I had so much fun. I have so much fun playing the game that, like, that's all that mattered to me. It was, like, pl- like, having fun. Like, you know, I think you hear all the time, like, when you're in, like, a high-level college or something, you'll hear coaches like, man, you know how many people would love to be where you're at right now? Like, look, man, I don't think that's true. I think when you're at, like, an SEC school, the reality is there are not that many people that are good enough to play at high level division one programs in the minor leagues, in the major leagues. Um, but I think the reality is there are enough people that would have fun doing it. And I've always said like, it's a, it would be unfair to those people for a bunch of people to not have fun doing what we do. Like this is so much fun. You know, we do play a child's game, but like it's extremely difficult. It's as simple as it comes, throw the ball hard, hit the ball hard, catch the ball. Yes. But man, if you have fun doing it, it makes it so much easier. And in turn, if you're having fun, that slows your heartbeat down. And, and the last thing that I want to talk about is the heart rate thing, because it is less apparent in baseball than it is the other three major American or than the other two major American sports. You look at football and basketball. The best example of that is, is Mahomes during the AFC title game, right? Like he was wearing a whoop and his heart rate went down when he was on the field. His heart rate was higher when he was off the field because he was not in control of the game. Like that's a guy who is thinking as close to how we think when in the heat of the moment. I think the best example, and going to your point of like, you know, a lot of the best players in baseball are are as genetically gifted as we are or not as genetically gifted as we are. And they just work their ass off to be the best version of their self, given their, you know, abilities as, as a physique, they just think about the game in a different way and they can control that heartbeat and not be phased by the moment. The best example of that in another sport is a point guard in basketball. Yes, you have some physical freaks, but then you've got these point guards. And I think college is the best example. And I think the NCAA tournament is the best example. You've got a senior point guard who's resting heart rate during a game or not resting, but like whose baseline heart rate during a game is closer to 120 than the 170, 180 guy out of stress. They're going to be better. They're going to be the one that hits the big shot. They're going to be the one that finds the right shooter on the wing. And like, that's why there is a concrete difference between having a senior point guard and a freshman point guard. They are less stressed than the freshman and the Yeah, and the hitters and the pitchers that are less stressed in Major League and Minor League Baseball are always going to be the better ones. And the point guards, just going back to it, like 
most of the time that senior point guard has been in whatever situation it's been in. It's not his first time doing it. Um, You know, which is why I'll say too, that like baseball is the only sport that does not get to practice at a hundred percent. That is why hitting is so hard. People don't realize that we are the only sport. It's the only position in all of sports that cannot practice at a hundred percent. We can never truly see pitching at a hundred percent every day. Just can't happen until the game. And yeah. so every other position in sports gets to see best on best whenever they want. We can't do that. That is a big reason as to why we're doing that. Now, going back to the heart rate, it's why the on-field, on-court tech is so big. Like, people want to know why it's big. It's big because teams want to find out how they can create this. How do we create – how do we find this guy to have this heart rate? Like, why is this guy successful? Is he successful because he's unbelievably – is he Jacob DeGrom? Or is he successful because he has good stuff and can control himself in big situations? Yes. And I think we're finding that for the most part, the guys that have good stuff and can control themselves are just as valuable as the guys with sick stuff that cannot control themselves. Or channel emotions in a positive way, which is what I think we're seeing in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, but Anthony guys, Santander, that was cool. Yes, man. Santander was cool. I'm thinking about the, the kid pumping 103 for Colombia when they when they went to extras with Mexico. Did you see that kid in the ninth that punched out Verdugo? I mean, that is channeling your stressful emotions into something positive, and it's slowing your heartbeat to the point where you get that snap of a finger break, and then you're going. And the other thing that I like that's cool about the World Baseball Classic too is that we've seen is that we've seen we talked about this before the classic, but like, you know, we talked about the different groups of guys that had to make decisions on if they were going to play in the classic. The guys that you know might make a team, might not make a team. We're seeing a lot of like minor leaguers that are good minor leaguers. Harry Ford just hit two bombs, man. Huh? Harry Ford just hit his second bomb. That's sick. And he's, well, he's a top 100 guy. So he's, but I was going to say, like, we're seeing a lot of guys that aren't necessarily top 100 guys that are really putting on strong showings for their, for their country in a situation where they would not have got these opportunities in big league camp for their teams. And so, these guys that are doing that, hats off, man. You guys made the right decision. Like, that is really cool to see. Do you see the kid for Nicaragua strike out uh, Julio Soto Endeavors in the ninth inning and sign with the Tigers an hour later? That's tight. My wife told me. I didn't even see this one. My wife told me about uh, when the Cubs played America before the Classic, Assad. She what Assad did? Assad was pumping gas. 97. I like Javier Assad. Like, I think that guy should be a spot starter for the Cubs. I think Wesneski should be the five, but I think Assad should be like the swing man for the Cubs. But I didn't know 97 was coming out of that arm. Six in a row. He was crazy against the He's States. Good. He's, good. He's good, man. I, uh, you know, so the first time I saw that guy was on a backfield when I was still with the Cubs. I believe it was 19, and it was like double A versus triple A. And he got through like three or four innings in like 25, 30 pitches. And we were all looking at each other like he threw two pitches. He was throwing this fastball and this little cutter. And we were all looking at each other like, who is like who in the world is it? We have no idea who this guy is. This guy's up here wearing glasses. We've never seen this guy before. And he's just shut down the best players in our system. What is happening? And, you know, 
three years later in 2022, I see him pitching Indy, and man, I, I'm with you. That's going to be a good piece for that, for that for that team. And but he'll be a guy that like you know does the secondary stuff come through. But man, that's just cool. That's a no, same thing, right? Like that's an opportunity that like you know he doesn't get in a normal game. He gets that opportunity because they're playing USA, and so they're not going to throw everybody. But you know what? He shows out, dude. And like David Ross is not going to forget that. No. Yeah. How can you? I that was him. I Joey Manessis is like a totally different conversation because Manessis is that dude. And I think everybody realized that he hit 311 with 25 bombs for Lehigh Valley in 18 and was playing in Japan the next year. That that's the most screwed up thing ever when it comes to Manessis. But yeah, man, I Javier Assad, he is a guy trying to break camp with the Cubs. He just did more hurt for himself in one night than he would of like a month of scoreless ball in spring training. No questions asked. I like, you know, I brought this guy up before, but like, I'm telling you, like Spencer Watkins made himself a major leaguer because of what he did as not, he was not a non-roster invite. He was in minor league camp. He made himself a big leaguer by what he did when he came over to assist as a backup big leaguer. He yeah. pitched in games, got quick outs, and because of that, Brandon Hyde remembered him. Like, man, you know, the the cliche and, like, the statement that I always remember is, like, you never know who's watching, and that's never more true. I mean, and obviously, like, you're in the big leagues. You do know who's watching. Right. But, like, a lot of times when we talked about, like, the guy, the big number guys and, like, you know, they care. These people care. Whether the fans are looking at it going, ah, who is this guy? The coaches care because if you can help me win, that's what I want. Yeah. So, cool. Man, this was good stuff. Gunnar Henderson on Friday. Gunnar Henderson. There we go. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to talk to him uh, a little bit later this week and uh, get that out for you guys on Friday. Can't wait to talk to the number one prospect in baseball, according to MLB Pipeline, in Baseball America, I think. So yeah, uh, it's going to be great, screw man. Arm. Screw arm. Screw arm. Yeah. yeah. Arm's an idiot for having that $111 million guy as, as the number one prospect. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Every link you need is in the show notes, including our link tree, which, like, We've got a bunch of links in the episode description, but if you click on the link tree, you get a whole bunch of other links. So go ahead and do that. It's Linkception. Absolutely. Catch you guys.